Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Western New York Catholic Audio. I'm Michael Mrosiak. The foundation of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo is an independent entity established to raise funds and manage assets which are utilized to provide grants to support Catholic ministries such as education, formation, and human services. The education and formation elements include vocations and the support of candidates studying and preparing for vocations in religious life. With me at this time are some individuals who will discuss the Foundation's support of seminarians and their studies, and will discuss the current state of vocations within the Diocese of Buffalo and the urgent need for more young people to hear God's call to serve. Joining me are Nancy Gugino, Executive Director of the Foundation of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, Father Dave Baker, Vocations Director for the Diocese of Buffalo, and C.J. Wild, a seminarian currently in his pastoral year serving here in Western New York. Hello, everyone. Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Nancy, first off, uh, tell us more about the foundation, how it seeks out community and business support, and, and how it's applied to promote God's loving healing and supporting those who answer God's call to serve in ministry. So the foundation of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo really has three pillars which we support. As you stated earlier on, Catholic education, formation, and human services. Today we're talking about the one pillar formation and the different types of fundraising we do to support that ministry. Uh, we do a two events a year, our golf outing and our curé event. We do direct mail appeals and uh, various other just donor interactions where I meet with constituents who are affiliated with the Diocese of Buffalo and want to support this, uh, this arm of the foundation. I work closely with Father David, who's been absolutely wonderful. He brings me in touch with seminarians who are studying for the priesthood, different uh, people who are in a whatever phase they may be with deacons, and also lay ecclesial people as well. So the foundation supports all three branches of formation, and it's it's very nice. You know, we have a good working relationship and uh, the seminarians are also always very happy to do whatever is needed to you know raise funds to support their academic and their human needs as well we take care of them from start you know start to stop and uh, try to support them on every possible level to see them through their seminary life and you recently visited saint mary's seminary in baltimore to see firsthand um, how things are going down there talk about your visit it was wonderful. We were welcomed so warmly. A lot of the people who support formation, and particularly support our seminarians, they wanted to see, uh, they wanted to see our seminarians. They wanted to see the environment. They wanted to see what their life, their new life down there looked like in Baltimore, Maryland. And I can say firsthand that they're being very well taken care of. Uh, the hospitality the love, the support, the academic nurturing, the social nurturing, the psychological nurturing, their prayer life. Uh, every aspect of seminary life was so beautifully supported at St. Mary's in Baltimore, Maryland. And we had a wonderful visit, interviewed our three seminarians there right now, and they just exuded so much happiness and strength. Well, we have a seminarian here with us in, in C.J. Wild, who I explained a moment ago uh, is in his uh, pastoral year. 
CJ, first of all, um, explain the, the process, uh, just uh, the years required for seminary studies and, and the process uh, as, as you go along. Certainly, Michael, yes. So again, thank you for having me. Uh, the journey to priesthood is one that I would say really begins with one's baptism, right? And so it's that baptism, that immersion into the life of Christ uh, that, that begins this process of discernment and journeying towards vocation. And so for me, what that's practically looked like uh, has, has been growing up in, in Western New York, really in Lancaster, uh, going to high school at Canisius in Buffalo here, uh, St. John Fisher in Rochester for undergraduate. And then it was uh, basically during my senior year of college that I began to make formal application to the seminary after many years of prayer and discernment. Uh, and so I spent the first three years of my formal priestly formation, uh, if you will, at St. Mary's in Baltimore and studying philosophy, theology. I was involved with some parishes and hospital ministries. And now I'm on pastoral year here at Family 28, which comprises Nativity in Orchard Park, uh, St. Peter and Paul in Hamburg, St. Bernadette in Orchard Park, and St. John's and St. Mary's in Boston. All right. And you'll, after this pastoral year, you'll have uh, another year down in Baltimore? Yes, yeah. So as long as uh, Father Dave and Bishop might give me permission to return and continue in formation, I'll be going back to St. Mary's for what's called Third Theology. So it's really a time to begin uh, looking at some of those ways that we can best use that philosophy and theology we've learned uh, with respect to pastoral ministry and, and how, how do I want to serve as a priest? How is God calling me to serve as a priest? I've learned these things. Now how can I begin applying those towards priestly ministry? It's interesting you mentioned that the path to priesthood really begins at baptism, but when did you hear that clarion call? by God to say religious life is the life for me. When, when would you say was that defining moment? I would say it was a, a more of a gradual call truly for me. You know, some have maybe a more of a St. Paul moment, but for me it was a gradual one. One that probably started more like in middle school. Uh, I, I was growing up uh, Our Lady of Pompeii and uh, Father Leon Burnett was our pastor and he was a great encourager uh, of, of young men to discern the priesthood and, and young ladies' religious life. And it was, it was in middle school that I began to recognize there was something special about the priesthood. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew that Father Leon was a, a great and joyful example of the priesthood. I knew that the Mass was important uh, and Eucharistic adoration was special, and I wanted to learn more. And so through high school, uh, there was this continual wrestling. What's God calling me to do? You know, was God calling me to be a priest? Was he maybe inviting me to pursue the diaconate or, or some sort of lay ecclesial ministry? I thought about maybe being a religion teacher at, you know, Canisius or one of the other Catholic schools. Uh, and even through college, I continued to wrestle. I thought, well, maybe I could serve in some other capacity, maybe as a nurse or as a firefighter, still giving back to the community and, and, and uh, applying the, the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, but there was this constant uh, longing and, and constant desire to serve as a priest that, that really um, undergirded all of that. And so it was, uh, it was, again, it was during my college years that I really began to more intently discern what is God calling me to. And, and I, I suppose I sort of approached discernment kind of, kind of uh, like uh, approaching a, a street vendor, right? I, I sort of looked at it as bargaining with God. <laughs> I thought, well, God has something that I want. Uh, but I wanted on my terms, right? And, and so I, I struggled for a little bit uh, because I wanted to do things my way. You know, I, I wanted to uh, retain some sort of control. But it was really in senior year when I was on a discernment retreat with some of the other uh, guys who were in the upstate diocese in Syracuse, New York. And uh, it was really at that retreat that I, that I gave the Lord my whole heart, that, that I finally said, I'm all yours, God. Make me want what you want. And, and a great peace came about me at that moment. Uh, and, and really, I think that would be sort of the defining moment, that, that time on retreat. 
Father Dave, uh, when people like CJ say yes, that's got to be music to your ears. When somebody does say yes and wants to go on that path, you know, how do you take them in and, and get them on that path properly? Yeah, those are the best calls or emails that I get all month long. And uh, we usually start a, a dialogue and we do have a, a discernment group called the response group that meets once a month for anyone who's giving serious consideration to the vocation of priesthood. And that's incredibly helpful. It was for me. It was the same program when I was discerning, too, to meet other guys who are asking the same questions, to realize I'm not the only one in North America who's pursuing this. You know, it's, it's kind of a lonesome journey sometimes. And to be able to meet other men who are asking that same question of God, what do you want of me, is really important. So I try to be a, a, a bridge builder between those guys, but also helping guys when they, they reach those crisis moments of uh, feeling torn between choices and helping to, to navigate that through through prayer and really just discerning the will of God. That's what it's all about. And, and you call it a crisis moment. It really is a, a major life-changing decision to say yes or no. Yeah, yeah. I think that the original Greek word crisis means a judgment, and you really have to make a judgment call at that point. Where do I, not having all the information, not being able to, to tell the future, where do I think God is asking me to step forward this moment? You need to hear more young men coming forward to say, I'm being called by God to say yes. And that brings us to uh, this part of the conversation about the state of vocations. Mm -hmm. Right now, the, the Diocese of Buffalo is on what it calls its road to renewal. And uh, one of the most significant factors driving us on this road to renewal is the need to balance the masses and, and ministries with the number of available priests. And the fact of the matter is there's an inadequate number of priests available to fill every individual parish, hence this need to form parish families. Talk about the challenge of, of trying to bring priestly numbers up here in the diocese. I'm actually starting to see an uptick in at least those initial inquiries of, of men contacting the office. And uh, I wonder if that's because the shortage of vocations has become more visible. We've always said, oh, we don't have enough priests, or we don't have enough guys in the seminary. And people thought, well, there's always a, a priest standing there when I go to mass, right? And now they're starting to feel the pinch like, like we all are. And uh, there's some brave men who are, who are saying, I, I'm going to jump into that gap and or at least ask God, do you want me to jump into that gap? So I'm, uh, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing so far. You never know with vocations, if the, is this a blip or is this a trend? And I, I'm praying it's the, that it's the latter. And actually, maybe it's just a uh, tack on right there. Uh, women religious, how, how do women religious, if they're hearing the call, um, come forward to say, I'd, I'd like to pursue this? It's a little bit more difficult for, for women because they don't have a single point of contact. Uh, they can speak with our, our delegate for religious here at the Diocese of Buffalo. Um, but uh, each religious order has its own vocations director. So a lot of times for women, it's a matter of contacting a lot of different orders and trying to see which one seems to be the, the one that the Spirit is leading me toward. We just had a big global crisis with uh, with the COVID pandemic. Are, does it usually take something like a like a global crisis to perhaps uh, give people a new appreciation for uh, religious life and and a dedication to it? It's hard to say. If uh, I think you get an immediate moment of of panic when things happen, when disasters happen worldwide. 
whether that persists and becomes a lifestyle choice for someone is is the question. I think for some it does, but a lot of people have that momentary uh, moment of of, uh, of really wondering and 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 fearing. And then when things settle down, it's easy to go back to the old ways. But, but there are some who really have a change of heart in dire circumstances. Father, I will ask you the same question, but I want to ask CJ first. Uh, we're in a day and age of, of pop culture where it's not necessarily cool to be religious, cool to want to pursue a religious life. Uh, what do you say to those who might be on the fence? Maybe they're considering a religious life, but they're getting bombarded by all sorts of other messages from the pop culture world. What would you say to them to help make them to decide to get off the fence? Life is tough today. And I think in a particular way, it's challenging for young people today, people like me who are in our 20s. And we see a lot of mixed messages from the society that say, pursue pleasure, pursue your choices in life, do what you want. You be the master of your own domain and, and, and the, uh, chart your own path, right? We, we hear all these things that are, that are really lies, right? Really contrary to the gospel message, right? Contrary to that call uh, of Christ to constantly convert our hearts, to, to turn away from sin and towards him, to, to humble ourselves, right? To decrease so that he can increase. And so I think what I might encourage a young person to do is to certainly pray uh, and and pray in a way that opens one's heart to the Lord and, and to the working of the Lord in, in the spiritual life. So rather than, uh, and this is great advice that I got from a spiritual director back in college, uh, rather than going to uh, prayer before the Lord in the monstrance or, or before the Lord uh, in, in prayer, uh, rather than asking the Lord, all right, God, what are we going to talk about today? You know, just Open your heart and ask, all right, Lord, what do you want to place in my heart today? You know, rather than saying, all right, God, let's talk about priesthood today. Let's talk about religious life today. Perhaps those conversations with the Lord can be had in prayer, but but I think what, what discernment requires is an openness to growth, right? An, an openness to the movement of the Spirit. I, th- I think Pope Francis beautifully calls this docility to the, to the Spirit, you know, being open to wherever he's moving us and, and calling us. And so um, I might encourage someone to certainly reach out to uh, our vocations director, but, but also to, to be courageous enough to take that leap and to say, I'm going to give the Lord a year of my time. I'm going to give the Lord a year of my time to go to seminary, to go to what's uh, now called our, our propedeutic stage, or our, our spiritual year. And I'm going to spend some time getting to know the Lord better and, and sharing my heart with the Lord. And, and I'm going to allow the, the formators to help me see uh, what the Lord's calling me to. Uh, and, and so I think any person who spends a year intentionally praying, discerning with the Lord, whether it's uh, as, a, as a priest or as a, as a religious, um, discerning whatever vocation they might be called to, they're not going to be worse because of it. And they're they're going to become a better disciple because of it. So, so give the Lord that year of your time. And Father, I, I would like to hear your thoughts too as, as the person that wants to, people to come forward. What do you say to those who are still on the fence, maybe not entirely decided? I really leave it to God. I, I try. It, when I first came to the vocation office, I was amazed at what a soft sell it was. That um, I, I, to the point where I actually said, "You guys need priests, right? <laughs> because you're, you're not pushing too hard." And usually, when there's a, a strong need, there's a strong recruitment push. And this is a little bit different because you're really trying to help. Uh, a man find God's will for his life. And I don't want him to do Father Dave's will. I want him to do the, the will of God. So um, just being accessible and available and um, ready to, to, to give feedback when it's, uh, when it's asked and providing forums for, for other guys to talk to each other about those things. I think that's the, the best way that I can help a, a man take the next step in whichever direction it is. 
Nancy, you talked about a, a very pleasant experience in your visit to St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore, uh, the enthusiasm, just the, the warmth, the welcome. Uh, but when you want to come back and, and bring something back from the seminary to give to potential supporters of the foundation, uh, were there takeaways there? What particular needs do the seminarians have down there that donors to the foundation could be of, of most help? I think donors to formation um, give to the cause, and they're very dedicated, they're very loyal, and um, they give very generously, they really do. What they really want to see is that our guys are being well cared for down there, that everything is being taken care of, and that they're happy and they're satisfied with seminary life in their new home in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, you know, when I when I talk to the seminarians and perhaps do an appeal to raise funds for their care, what I can say about our seminarians is every story is completely different. But the common thread throughout it all is the surrendering to God, the, the prayer life, and the the desire to want to serve. And that, that seems to be a common thread. What I can say about the change from our seminary here in Buffalo to Baltimore, Maryland, that our seminarians spoke about as a great benefit, is that is the oldest seminary in the United States. It was formed in the 1700s, and they get seminarians from all over the world. So there's a greater exposure to all different walks of life, different cultures, different ways of living, and so it's a much more global exposure to their brother seminarians there that they walk the walk with for however many years seminaries for uh, each seminarian. And so it gives them um, a greater exposure. And Christ's ministry is a global ministry. Uh, anyone here, I'll throw this question at anybody, talk about how much more important it is that you get that diversity in, in the education and among your fellow seminarians. Uh, how important that is when it's time to spread the word, the good news, and other ministry and services literally worldwide. Yeah, Michael, so having grown up largely in Western New York and, and studying in Central New York, not venturing too far for college, I really had sort of a, a local view of the church, right? And and our church, as we know, right, is Catholic, Catholicos, universal. And so having had the opportunity to study and, and be in formation at St. Mary's in Baltimore, I've gotten to see the church from a universal perspective. We have brothers there from Vietnam who share with us that their church windows have been shot out by the police, uh, that their priests have been chased into the mountains and arrested in some cases. Uh, I've heard from some of our brothers in uh, various countries in Africa how seminarians and priests are largely idolized and, and perhaps even um, venerated among the culture where people fall down at their feet and ask for blessings and prayers in the streets. Uh, I, I hear about some of our brothers who come from South American nations like Colombia or Mexico where there's a great Christian religiosity still present among the people, especially many of whom live in poverty in, in agricultural societies. And so the, the challenges that we face in, in Buffalo and Western New York and the United States are, of course, uh, not the same as they are in, in other places, but it's helped to give me a broader perspective that that the um, that the Lord's gospel uh, is one that transcends borders and, and one that uh, transcends boundaries, transcends languages, time. Uh, it's really a beautiful a beautiful reality being down there in a place with so many cultures. Father, your thoughts? It's it's such an interesting feeling to encounter someone from the other side of the world and find out that you immediately mesh because of your common faith and, and in the seminary case, your common mission, you're both feeling called to ordained ministry. And this, like you said, CJ, our 
culture and living circumstances are completely different from this other person's, but we're brothers in Christ and through the, the call to the priesthood. It's something that I think local congregations need to hear more of. We do get visiting priests from other parts of the world, Africa, uh, South America, Asia, wherever, and usually they'll, they'll, they'll be the guest delivering the homily at a church. And uh, talk about the need for, for the congregations to, to, to really pay attention and not just kind of drift off and think, okay, they're here for a collection, here's your money. But uh, talk about the importance of, of making sure that congregations get that this is a more of a universal church and not just you know, kind of the local point of view of, of what a Catholic community is. Yeah, what I've always found from clergy who come from third world countries is this real interior joyfulness. Uh, I Some of the widest smiles I've ever seen are from our, our brother priests in Africa who are just overflowing with joy. And that's a message we need to hear in America where we have so much and we're so miserable all the time. <laughs> Dig down, find joy. Uh, life is good. Nancy, in terms of community support, we've there are some some prominent names in the community who who have come forth with support. Uh, talk about trying to, to grow that support among among the business community. There, are, I'm sure there are other Catholics out there who want to support but don't necessarily know how to go about. So uh, typically, where it starts is a lot of times a call comes into the foundation, and it's someone who is interested in supporting the foundation and the arms of the foundation, and. I try to return those calls immediately, talk to the person, see what, see where their interest lies and nurture that and develop it. And um, as I said, formation is a very unique pillar of the foundation in that people want to give to it because they, they have their own strong faith themselves and they want to see the faith continue through our seminarians, future ordained priests in the Diocese of Buffalo and people whether it's a small gift or a large gift, it really comes from the heart. They want to give, they want to support. It's actually very an easy gift to uh, to wrap up and to you know bring into the foundation, because people are very dedicated to the cause and they want to. Uh, they're doing it for more reasons than just giving or for tax purposes. They're doing it for more spiritual reasons themselves personally. What's the best way to get a hold of you? email the foundation or call the foundation offices and uh, I'm happy to meet with anyone and talk to them about the different ways they can support. And the way you can contact the, the foundation for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, you can call 716-847-8370. The number again is 716-847-8370. Uh, Father Dave, what's the best way to reach you at uh, the vocations office? I recommend checking out our website, first of all, that's buffalovocations.org, and that, on the website there will be contact phone numbers, emails for me if you want to take the discussion to the next step. We try to keep some fresh video content up there, at least to uh, uh, get the initial hook. All right. And you can also find out more on the Diocese of Buffalo's main website, buffalodiocese.org. That's buffalodiocese.org. Uh, let's go around the table with uh, some final thoughts. CJ? Yes, Michael, I am just, I'm really encouraged by the young men that I've been able to meet the last few years. Uh, I, I could say with, with a sure and certain hope that the church is in, uh, headed in the right direction. Uh, we're headed in a good direction because we know that Christ never abandons his church, his beautiful bride, the church. And, and I look at my brothers here, not only who study for the Diocese of Buffalo, but also for the church locally here in, in, in the Northeast. 
Uh, and I'm really encouraged uh, that we have some good and holy uh, men who I really consider to be not only friends, but brothers, truly. And so they're the ones who, who challenge me to be a better, more virtuous person, uh, to give my heart more fully to the Lord. And I, I hope I'm able to do the same for them. Your final thoughts, Father? As, uh, as CJ said, I will echo the fact that I think we have really good men in formation. I see that happening in a lot of dioceses. The men that are coming forth are uh, doing it for, for all the right reasons. We just need more of them. And if that is uh, something you feel the Holy Spirit leading you toward, at least to, to ask the next question, take a look at buffalovocations.org. Nancy, your final thoughts. I couldn't agree with CJ more, Michael. Um, the seminarians that are in formation right now are wonderful, wonderful, not just young men, but maybe some men who already had a career and decided the world career was not the right fit for them, and they heard God's calling and answered that calling. Their stories are unique. I, I can absolutely support the fact that each and every one of them are in it for the right reasons. They have all taken themselves out of it. They're, they're in it for a higher power. They're in it to serve God, and um, they're very dedicated. And I would just encourage people out there, continue to support them as you have all along. They need your support. They need your prayers first and foremost. But it's, it's a costly world to live in. It's education is costly. And uh, we take care of them on every level while they're in seminary so they don't have the distraction or worry of supporting themselves. So thank you for your generous support over all the years. And thank you for the gifts that are coming in the future. We really appreciate it, and I know they do too. Nancy Gugino, Father Dave Baker, C.J. Wild, thank you so much for taking part in this special conversation. Thanks for the opportunity, Michael. And thank, thank you, you Michael. and thank you all for listening to this special edition of Western New York Catholic Audio. My name is Michael Mrosiak. Remain faithful in Christ, and may God bless you. This special edition of Western New York Catholic Audio was recorded in the Formation Library Studio within the Catholic Center in downtown Buffalo. Special thanks to Deacon Timothy Criswell for his assistance with the production of this podcast. Western New York Catholic Audio is produced by the Communications Department of the Diocese of Buffalo. You can find this and other audio productions at the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo Sound Hub, available at soundcloud.com slash buffalodiocese. You may also find the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo Sound Hub on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Thank you for listening.